Hello, I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler, the Relationship Help Doctor. And every week here on BBS Radio, my Relationship Help Show airs at 11 o'clock on Wednesday mornings, and you're invited to join in. You can call in and ask your relationship questions, particularly if you're in relationship with what I call a relentlessly difficult person. And that relationship might be your partner, your parent, your coworker, your boss, whomever it is, I'd be happy to answer your questions because you need particular insights, strategies, skills, and support in dealing with these very difficult people. In fact, I coined a word for them, and the term is hijackles. These are the people who hijack our relationships, always for their own good and their own purposes, and while scavenging them for power, status, and control. Intriguing? Do you know one? I bet you do. And you'd love to feel more powerful in their presence. So join me at Relationship Help Show every Wednesday morning at 11 Pacific Time right here on BBS Radio. And always remember, you can listen to the archives. Go to bbsradio.com slash Relationship Help Show. And I hope we'll be talking soon. Take good care. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here with us today for the Relationship Help Show, Handling Hijackal Havoc. Just to remind you all that a hijackal is one of those relentlessly difficult, toxic, disturbing people that we find in our life. And most of the time I'm talking to you about hijackals in the home, in your relationship, in your families. But today I'm doing a special show about those difficult people that you can't get away from at work. And that's a really big deal. If you have to go every day to work with someone that you really dread going to work with, uh, that's important for you to note. And I did write a book about this. It's called Wrestling Rhinos, Conquering Conflict in the Wilds of Work. Really great book with lots of things about how to handle conflict at work. So today's show is all about getting what to do with difficult people and the bullies at work. Bullying behavior is something we're hearing more and more about and something that we need to do more and more about. And what we need to do is have the strategies that I'm going to suggest to you today to understand what's going on with the bullies and then knowing what to do, how to set your boundaries, things you might say things that you need to take action on and when not to do anything. And we're going to add my words and all the things that I have to share with you today by having my guest, Judy Hoberman. She's an international speaker, a consultant, and an author. She Her website is Selling in a Skirt, and she's written three books, great books, and they help women get onto the glass floor to go through the glass ceiling and make it a glass floor. And she's had some interesting things that have happened with difficult people, both in her consulting work, as I have, going into 
companies and small businesses and finding that there are difficult people there who are really impeding the teamwork. And she has also found that with certain entrepreneurs, and I bet you have too. If you happen to be in the entrepreneurial world, there are some people that you just simply don't want to deal with. They are too difficult. They are too demanding. They are too arrogant. They are too willing to put you down. And eventually you get worn down. And if you you go to work every day with someone like that, you know, those are the kind of people that make you consider taking a sick day, right? <laughs> you just want to get away from them. And then when you take a sick day to get away from them, then everybody at work not only still has the hijackle at work, the bully at work, but they have an extra workload because you're not there and everything is going slowly downhill. And Judy Hoberman, my guest, is going to talk about the when you make a first impression, what that really means, and what happens in my what I'm talking about is a hijackle will make a great first impression and then everything will be downhill from there. So that's how bullies get get their jobs. Um, <laughs> they make a great first impression and nobody knows that they're going to be nothing but difficult once they're in the workplace. So big show today, difficult people you can't get away from at work. Remember to Go and get all the free resources at my YouTube channel at For Relationship Help, youtube.com slash For Relationship Help. Visit my website, For Relationship Help, and I have an exciting new program to help you recognize and be ready for the traits, the cycles, and the patterns of hijackles. It's called Seeing the Cycles, and it is available now at For Relationship Help. It's a self-study course, and it will really help you step back and see what's really going on. So, so much for you today. Stay tuned. <laughs> Hello, this is Dr. Roberta Shaler. Are these stories and questions on today's show sounding familiar to you? Are you ready to say no more to the abuse from toxic people in your life? I'm so glad. You matter and you deserve to have real love, true love in your life. Love from yourself and love from others. Not that demeaning, discounting, and dismissive masquerade that a hijackle pretends is love. I can help you regain yourself, your self-esteem, your self-confidence after a life with a hijackle, whether it was your partner, an ex, a parent, or a child. Let's work together now. For individual sessions or small group coaching, visit forrelationshiphelp.com slash join. Talk soon. Let's face it, for a minute or two every while, every one of us is someone else's idea of a difficult person. Okay, that's a given. There are, however, you know, some folks who make a lifestyle of being difficult. At least that's the way it seems to us and maybe to a few other people that we work with. A difficult person is a person whose behavior causes you a problem. It could be a boss, a coworker, a client, or a customer. 
It's unlikely you'll be able to change that person's behavior. However, you're entirely able to wisely manage your part of your interactions with him or her. That's your most effective strategy in dealing with difficult people. That's where you will find your power in those situations. Now, before you tackle these difficult people, it's essential to have your own act together. Is there any tiny chance that your actions, words, or behaviors actually contribute to the other person's difficult behavior? Ever had a morning like this? You're short on sleep, you're running a little late, you ran out of coffee, you almost missed your ride, you forgot your briefcase or your lunch, you get to work just in time to make a very important meeting, and the only available chair is next to the person you like the least, and as you slip into it as unobtrusively as possible, that person leans over and says sarcastically and none too quietly, oh, really nice you could make it. Is he or she being a difficult person? Perhaps especially if you could have predicted his remark. The challenge comes when you draw your next breath. What do you say? If you have the presence of mind to ignore the sarcasm and respond with a genuine thank you, you're not going to have much trouble with anybody. But if your blood pressure soars and your hands grow clammy and you begin to sputter, he's got you. If jerk is the only thing you can mutter. He was looking for an effect and he got one. First, when you think you're dealing with a difficult person, look in the mirror. How are you behaving in the situation? Collect yourself. Decide on your behavior strategy. Stay in control of yourself and you're likely to stay in control of the situation. Now, some folks are just bullies. They bombard you with their aggression. They make cutting remarks. They get angry when things aren't the way they want them to be. And some folks are whiners and complainers. They just never take action to change things because they prefer to just go around finding fault. And then there are other people who stay silent and uncommunicative. Often, they seem to have vocabularies of one-syllable responses like yep or no or just a grunt. Some people agree with everything you say and express their willingness to be supportive. However, they seldom follow through. Often, they're labeled passive-aggressive, and that's because they are. Some are simply the constant wet blankets. Nothing will ever work. Everything is impossible. Expect the worst because it will likely happen. That's their belief. And some people simply know everything or think they do. You find them, they're condescending, they're imposing, they're pompous, arrogant, dismissive, and their mission in life seems to be to make you feel like a fool. And then there are others who cannot make a decision, or at least they just won't. They wait for decisions to be made for them. Often, these are the perfectionists. These are the categories that uh, they're in a book by Robert Branson called Coping with Difficult People. So do they sound familiar? Sure, very few people are constantly difficult, especially if they want something from you. However, there are some basic strategies that will help when you're confronted with difficult behaviors, and I want to give you a few. So think of this. A customer is yelling at you about a missing order or something, and you take a break, a breath, and you say, I can understand that this has created a difficulty for you, and I'd like to very much find a way to resolve it as quickly as possible. 
This may be a translation of what you were really thinking. You're being an abusive, loud, and unreasonable, and I want you to go away. But no matter, you've spoken about your feelings and acknowledged the customers as well, which is good. Even if that sentence is a wise translation of, listen up, you have no right to yell at me, no one pays me enough to be yelled at, you will have shown your maturity and your willingness to provide customer service. It is not the conversation in your head that you are concerned with when you deal with difficult people. It's the actual words that come out of your mouth. Even in your relationships at home, you're well aware of what pushes other people's buttons and what appeases them. So big rule here, before doing or saying anything to anyone, imagine the result you want from the conversation and say only things that will take you in that direction. Another phrase that allows you to glide out of situations that could escalate is this one. It's magic. Just simply say, you could be right. Why waste energy arguing with someone who knows it all? They're looking for confirmation of their brilliance, their perfect worldview, and their authority on everything. So unless it's a matter of life and breath for your job, consider genuinely saying, hmm, you could be right. It doesn't cost you anything. It makes the other person happy and your blood pressure stays down. So if you happen to be thinking that that's less than honest, it isn't. The possibility does exist that the other person is correct. It may be remote, but it does exist. So another rule, maintain your sense of self and center by acknowledging others and avoiding energy drains. Everyone does not think as you do. That's no surprise. Take the time to ask good questions and listen to others without judgment. Most folks have compelling reasons for their beliefs and their behaviors, and they're entitled to them. But be sure that you haven't become inflexible and intolerant, because tension will do that to people. So in the name of efficiency, folks forget that they're talking to other folks who also have lives and feelings. Be sure that you put people first. And give pressure a name. Preface your remarks with, I know that I'm feeling pressured, and you're likely feeling that way too. Ask how you can best manage situations together, and then listen. As Zig Ziglar reminds us, Uh, You may know this one. When we're more concerned with helping people get what they want, our wants are more likely to be met. So take a deep breath and exhale slowly before answering anyone when you feel tense. That will keep you from being that difficult person. Imagine the results you want from the interaction five minutes from now. What might feel good at the moment may cause you untold weeks of rebuilding five minutes from now. So choose your words and actions carefully. When difficult people cannot be sidestepped, practice communicating your boundaries clearly. If you're feeling your pulse quickening, quickly say something. With a little expert turn, you can acknowledge the other and set your boundaries simultaneously. Maybe like this. I think that I can help you get what you want. Will you help me do that by reviewing the facts or stepping back and allowing me some space or speaking more quietly so that I can hear? Because there are some folks with whom you work who will persistently push your buttons They may be unaware that they have poor social skills and they may be miserable by nature. 
They may only have a sense of power in their lives when they're pushing people around. Who knows? The reason they're doing what they're doing is less important than how you manage its effect on you. This is where boundary setting becomes imperative. Ask the other person to coffee. Yep, yep, actually plan to spend a little time with them. And then just say things about yourself. Tell them what's bothering you, what you'd like to have changed, and ask for their cooperation and agreement. That's the difficult part. It's like asking for the sale. Most people balk right there. So you have to take this to its logical conclusion. Actually ask them if they're willing to honor and respect your boundary and your needs. And if they're not, then be prepared to tell them what your next step will be. Go upline if you have to. Uh, however, explain to him and her that you would prefer to handle it between yourselves. And if the problem is your boss or supervisor, things change slightly. Before requesting your little heart-to-heart, -heart, do your homework. Be prepared with specific examples of interactions that upset you and use them as examples of times when you were less than able to do your work efficiently and productively. Demonstrate the benefits of having them change their behavior around you. Does this sound like something you could do? I hope so. Ask for what you want and need clearly and be willing to hear yes or no. These are really important things to handling the difficult situations at work and the difficult people. And when you learn to do this well, you'll feel better about yourself. People will feel safer around you. And you will know that you have the confidence that you can solve people problems. So I hope these tips will help you. And I hope you will keep them in mind. Listen to this segment again and see if you can put these things in place for yourself. Talk soon. Life as a couple can be exciting and enriching. You both feel supported, known, heard, and appreciated. You know you're safe. Is that what you're experiencing? Does your partner have your back? Can you be vulnerable safely? Do you trust each other fully? Would you say you were emotionally intimate? If not, things can get much better. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler, and I work with couples just like you all over the world by video conferencing. If you want a world-class relationship, learn how now. Visit forrelationshiphelp.com slash join and schedule a time to work together. Let's talk soon. forrelationshiphelp.com slash join. Welcome back to part two of my wonderful conversation with divorce attorney, mediator, coach, and all-round wonderful advisor to people looking for a divorce, especially if you happen to be with a hijack called Karen Covey. So Karen, we were talking about, all right, present yourself really well, first impressions count in court, and then if you recognize and it's very important everybody recognize this is a long process. If you are divorcing a hijackal, they're going to jump into court on every last little possible thing. And so just get used to that because it's going to happen. But start well. So let's talk about some things that might happen in court. I've had situations where people thought they were going to court, they were going to get 50-50 custody, and all of a sudden they, the hijackal got 
100% custody. You know, like a stunning result. My client would come back from court and be absolutely stunned that what had happened. And how does that happen? It can happen a lot of different ways. And I wish I, I wish I could tell you that it doesn't happen, but it does. And part of it is preparation in advance. So you can't just meet with your attorney five minutes before you walk into the courtroom and assume that everything is going to be agreed. Look, you know who you married. You are going to be divorcing the same person that you married. So if you know that this is, you know, there's a good chance that this isn't going to go well, prepare yourself. Talk to your attorney. Spend an hour with your attorney before you go to court to say, okay, what's going to happen? What are my choices? What exactly are, you know, what's being heard today? What's being done today? And if you don't know that, then you better figure that out and make sure that your attorney gets on the same page before you walk into the courtroom. And that's going to cost you some money, but it's well worth it. Do you advise that people actually remind their attorney by having a session like right before they go to court, the day before, refresh and remind the attorney of their particular needs and wants? It's a good idea. I mean, look, the attorneys are busy too. And they have, I don't know any attorney that just handles one case. You know, unless it's a gigantic case. Um, so they've got a lot of clients. They've got a lot of things going on. And you, it, it can't hurt for you to say to them, you know, this is what I want. And this is, this is my perspective. Are we on the same page? Are we good with that? But more importantly is knowing from them what's going on in court that day because different things get scheduled for different days. You walk in there thinking it's a status. And then all of a sudden you walk out and you lost custody Oh my goodness, how did that happen, right? Oh, absolutely. And unfortunately, <laughs> that happens too frequently. So that's why I tell my clients, and I'm glad that you said that, that, okay, see if you can have a half hour, you know, meet your attorney before you go to court if possible, refresh the ideas and know what you're there for and remind them of the hijackal nature of their, of their uh, hopefully, X, and uh, that that helps because many times the the attorney has just come from somewhere else, and they if you refresh them, it helps. So I just want to comment on something that you said. You know, you married them, and you're divorcing the same person. With hijackals, that's often not the case, because when you when you married them, you were still in the love bombing stage. They were still being the most wonderful person that you could possibly imagine. They could read your mind and they were just this gift. And their hijackal nature doesn't really show up until after they've gotcha. So you are now stunned that this person that you so hoped was who they are, and we get hooked on hope. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, we so hope that that's who they were. Now we're divorcing them. We're crushed already. We're we're enraged. We're uh, in, bewildered. There's so much that has changed, and that that's why they need you and I, because you need to have dealt with the emotional nature of what's going on, preferably before and while you're going to court. Because that, that's just a huge shift, and you've got to get your head on straight to give your attorney the best shot at doing their best job. 
Absolutely. I mean, and when I say you've got to keep your emotions under control so that you don't look like a lunatic when you're in the courtroom, <laughs> how do you expect to do that when you, as you said, your whole world has been destroyed. Life isn't what you thought it was. And, you know, you, you did. You're divorcing the same person you married. The problem was you didn't realize who that person really was. Exactly. And so you're dealing with all this emotional stuff. You know, I tell all of my clients, get a therapist. Get some help going through this process. Even, you know, whether you've got a high-conflict spouse or not, you're still an emotional wreck. It's that much worse when you have a high-conflict spouse. You need support and help getting through the system. Yes. And so I want to talk about another little piece of this because hijackals have this nasty way of making it appear in court that you are not a good parent. Mm -hmm. They bring false evidence that, well, they call it evidence, but they make allegations and they state them as facts. And in that snapshot that we talked about in part one, where you just get the snapshot of that day in court with that judge at that time, and who knows which side of the bed the judge got off on this morning. <laughs> um, we just got that moment. So sometimes we just get painted into a corner as being an unfit parent. What can we do at that moment? What do you do as an attorney when those allegations start to come forward? First of all, you don't wait for those allegations to come forward. You don't wait until you're being painted in the corner to try to figure out how do I get out of this, right? It starts by being smart in advance. So a couple things you can do. Number one, on you know oral conversations that you have with your spouse, sorry, he said, she said, you're never going to be able to prove them. So- Limit your conversations, get, you know, try to only respond to your spouse or get them, get a court order if you need that says everything will be in email or in text, you know, so that you have things in writing so you, the judge could see the line of a conversation and that's proof of what was said versus, well, I said this, he said that. You're never going to know what happened then. There are also a lot of really, really good parenting applications now, apps that you can get that are amazing because they keep the thread of the conversation and nobody can erase it after the fact. Nobody can change it. So it's an easy way to show the court and judges understand these apps. And at least in my experience, they respect them and they say, okay, if you two can't talk to each other and I don't know who's telling me the truth, you're going to use this app and you're going to communicate via email and I'll see what really happened. So the idea is to start documenting right from the beginning everything that happens so and be reasonable okay don't go off on your spouse and in an email be be as careful with what you say in an email as you would in court and make sure everything is documented then when you go to court you are prepared to present the real situation you're not getting caught in a he said she said well said. <laughs> this documentation, sometimes I'll have my clients go back to the very first moment they recognized what was going on. And even though they may not remember the exact date, at least they write it down like journal entries and then keep very, very good records because that he said, she said business doesn't fly. But when somebody is accusing you of being a poor parent and you know that you haven't been, is it best to bring a witness? Is it best to, what, what's the best thing to do? It, it all depends on the situation and what exactly you're being accused of. Um, you don't want to walk in with 
25 people as witnesses, you know, first of all, it's going to make you look again, like you're the crazy one. You're um, histrionic. You're the one that's making a mountain out of a molehill, right? You don't want to do that. Second of all, you want to keep the people who you need to testify for the moments when they're actually going to be heard. You know, so talk to your attorney and find out how much time do you have for this court hearing? If you've only got 10 minutes and you've got three people with you, they're not even going to get sworn in in that amount of time. So you have to understand if, you know, who might be needed so that you don't use up your, you know, your goodwill with that person. And then the next time you go to court and you need them again, they're going to be say they're going to say, oh, I'm sorry, I can't make it. I'm too busy. I've already done that for you. Right. So you want to get the most bang for your buck and put the people you know, bring the people who need to be there at the time. So you talk to your attorney in advance and you find out, okay, my spouse is saying that I, you know, abuse the kids, that I hit the kids, but at that, you know, but it's not true. And here's the babysitter to say that what he said happened didn't happen or the teacher or the whatever, you know, does that help? Is this going to be a hearing? Can these people testify or, you know, what can I do? Should I bring them with? Um, and, you know, work with your attorney so that you bring the people to court with you who need to be there, but you don't bring everybody in the world if you don't, if you don't need them. Yes. And of course, you look really defensive if you bring 25 people with you. So that's not a good thing. Great advice, Karen. Now I'm talking with Karen Covey divorce advisor, attorney, mediator. Obviously, you you need someone like Karen. And if you're anywhere near, what what, uh, jurisdictions can you work in, Karen? I work in Illinois, specifically in the Chicago and uh, DuPage County area. So Cook County and DuPage County. Um, And most of the work that I do is advising people. I'm more of an advisor and a strategist at this point. And the cases that I take are with people who are usually involved in mediation or the collaborative process, which can't, believe it or not, you can use those processes, even if you're married to a hijackal, but it, it, it takes some finesse. It takes a little yes. experience. And again, the problem with any alternative to court is that they don't want to be there because they lose their audience. So it becomes a little bit tricky, but it can be done. Well, I love what you said about them losing their audience because hijackals love an audience. So just before we close, Karen, I have a big question for you because you're one of the few people who can answer this. Um, What can a partner do when they know that their children are being neglected or even abused when they're in the custody that has been given to them by the court to the hijackal? What can they do? It all comes down to proof. And unfortunately, if you have children who are really young, they can't speak up for themselves very well. Um, The first thing that I would do is ask through your attorney, ask to get an attorney appointed for the children. Because that person, either a guardian ad litem or a child representative or a child attorney, they're called different things depending on what jurisdiction you're in. They have different, slightly different functions. But basically, you want an independent person in there who can evaluate, who can talk to the kids and evaluate what's happening. That would be step one. Um, you might want to try to get an examination, a mental health examination, a psychological examination of your spouse but usually that takes a while for the court to order it. And of course it costs money. I mean, five, $10,000 for that kind of an evaluation and know that you'll be evaluated too. So if you're not okay with that, 
don't go that road. Great advice. That 730 eval that Karen's talking about, yes, it's expensive, but it can be very, very effective too and save your children. Thank you so much for being with us today, Karen. Your information is invaluable and your insights and experience really help folks. Thanks so much. You're welcome. It's been my pleasure. My guest is Karen Covey. She is a divorce advisor, a mediator, an attorney, a coach. You can find her at karencovey.com, K-A-R-E-N-C-O-V-Y.com. And if you happen to be with a hijackle, remember, you need an attorney who knows. Hi, this is Dr. Roberta Shaler. Handling hijackles is exhausting. It's never-ending. An endless cycle of crazy-making, alienation, and constant drama. And cycles are difficult to step out of. I know because I've been there too. And that's why I reach out to you to offer the insight, skills, and strategies you need to heal. My small group programs, Handling Hijackles and Hijackle Recovery and Rediscovery, will shortcut your journey to healing, to save your sanity, and to stopping the crazy making. Visit forrelationshiphelp.com slash join now and let's talk soon. I'm so happy that you're joining us for this segment with my friend and colleague, uh, Karen Covey. And she is a divorce advisor, an attorney, a mediator, and a coach. She's just got so much wisdom for us. And she really helps people go through divorce, and I love this, with dignity and confidence. And so many times that doesn't happen when you're dealing with a hijackle. You feel like you have been rewounded by the court. So we're going to talk about that today. Um, she works, as I said, as a divorce attorney, a mediator, a collaborative divorce professional. And she spent decades helping people get divorced in a way that there is so that there is the least amount of destruction. And that's what we want. We don't want to feel like we have been raped or wounded going through a divorce. We want to feel like we have at least a modicum of power and that we're going to be heard. So welcome to the program, Karen. Thank you. It's good to be here. And so what's your experience with people when they they come to you and they're with one of those people that I call a hijackle, a very difficult, toxic, crazy-making person, and they say, I need to get away from this person, and they they go to court and they think they're going to get something that's fair. What's your experience with that turnout? Well, I like to say that fair is the four letter F word of divorce, right? <laughs> there, fair is in the eye of the beholder. What you think is fair may be very different than what obviously your spouse thinks is fair and very different than what the judge thinks is fair. So that's the first thing you've got to understand is fair exists in the eye of the beholder, right? And the other part of that is that the court system is a snapshot of a couple of moments of your life, right? So you, the, you know, if you've been married to someone who's a high conflict person, someone you refer to as a hijackal, right? You've been married to this person. You've been dealing with them for years and years and years. You know their MO. You know how they operate. The judge sees you and this person for, what, 10 minutes, 
20 minutes, maybe an hour, right? People think that they're going to go and be able to tell their life story to the judge and the judge is going to see through, you know, the, the, their spouse and know immediately that they're right. And I have to tell you, that just doesn't happen. You have a limited amount of time in front of the court and the judge doesn't always see what's going on. He or she is busy. There's, you know, dozens of other people in the courtroom and your spouse probably presents very, very well. And it's easy to fool a judge under those circumstances. Well, I'm so glad to hear a divorce attorney say that. Um, because I tell my clients, Karen, that you have to choose a divorce attorney who understands a hijackle, who understands what they're facing, and you do. So if you're thinking about getting a getting an attorney, talk to Karen, because if if your attorney doesn't understand what they're facing, then they seem to accept what's going on in the court at face value, which they have to, just like you said. And I say to the, my clients so frequently, look, same thing. This is just a few moments that you have. It's going to be what it is. And you just have to choose your words and your attorney's words as carefully as possible to get the snapshot looking as it looks from your perspective because the hijackal is going to be slick and charming they'll lie cheat manipulate just like they do in your life in the court and they're going to look perfect doing it mm -hmm. right <laughs> absolutely and the thing you have to remember though the problem is you don't get to choose your attorney's words that's your attorney that's choosing them the only thing that you get to choose is who is your attorney and so it's important that you have someone who understands you and who understands the situation and is willing to stand up for you and say what you can't say in court. Because if you walk into court with an attorney, the judge doesn't have a whole lot of time and there are rules. So you might not be able to even say a word. It might be your attorney doing all the talking. So you've got to make sure that your attorney is up to speed and knows what you want to say. And the other thing is you don't want to come across looking like the crazy person which kind of happens a lot. You it know? does happen a lot. Yes. And so that means that when you go to court, you've, courts are run by rules and evidence. You have to have your facts right. You have to stand there and look professional. What you look like, what you wear matters, regardless of whether it should or not, it does. Sure. You've got to be calm, listen to what your attorney says, be professional and respectful and I'm not saying that all of that will make the judge believe you, but it sure gives you a better chance. Yes. Well, we have to remember, we all know that the, you only get one chance to make a first impression. And when you go to court, we've got that snapshot that you said, Karen, and that when you go there, you are being judged. And, Absolutely. you know, it's just the case. And so... I agree with what you said. I mean, you're at the mercy of what your attorney says. And that's why you have to choose so carefully an attorney who understands hijackals or as attorneys often refer to them as high conflict people. Because I've been to court with a high, no, know this. <laughs> hijackals hire hijackal attorneys. I have learned that. They will go and fire attorneys until they get one that's like them well of course they do because if you're let's just say i'm talking to somebody 
who's a high conflict person, a hijackal, as you say, and they're like off the charts, right? And they're talking to me and I can see that there's a problem. I'm going to be telling them the truth, which is something that they don't want to hear. They're not hiring me. No, they're not because they don't want to hear the truth. You're absolutely right. And the truth is only what they say, not anything else. They don't care about the law. The thing about hijackals is they believe they're always the smartest person in the room, in any room. And they believe that they can manipulate anybody. And that's the arrogance that they take to court. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And the sad part is because of the way the system is structured and there's so many people going through at the same time, it's easy for them to be right for, you know, in court, at least for a certain period of time. What you need to know is that over time, if you are consistent, if you are reasonable, if you show the court, you know, good documentation, right. And you bring documents and you bring proof. Ultimately you have a fighting chance of showing the judge what's really going on. They can see through the high conflict person then, but until that time, Good luck. Well, I want to speak to that point because I know from my experience that you're absolutely right. I'll talk about one client that I have. We've been working together for two and a half years. I've been to court on her behalf twice, which absolutely stunned the hijackal that I showed up there. He was petrified. And I said to her, you know, even if it takes living in your car, which it actually did, if you can find the fortitude and the strength and the power to keep going to court, to keep presenting the facts, he will implode. And, you know, she would text me late at night. We would do whatever we had to do because this was a very important case to me. And in the end, yay, the court saw him. He was convicted of money laundering, fraud, and uh, perjury. And he's being deported after he serves his sentence. Wow. But that was that this woman was absolutely willing to be that bulldog terrier holding on to this. No, she presented well. She brought the right people to stand up for her. And we finally made it. But most people don't have that luxury. What do you think is the very best thing they can do if they only have one or two shots? What do you mean if they only have one or two shots? So maybe they go, they go to court and the first time they, they say, oh, no, 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 and they're willing to go back again and maybe do an ex parte or do something to say this isn't working. But if they can't afford an attorney following that, how do they get the best bang for the buck at the first two or three times that they can go to court? Um, well, that, there's a couple of things baked into that. I mean, obviously, every time you go to court, you want to, as I said, present yourself well, dress well, be organized, bring all the paperwork and evidence that you have every single time, and be able to pull out what you need when you need it to show the judge. So that means you can't just bring this mass of paperwork, right? You've got to know how to find things. And you do the best that you can to, the other thing is you keep calm. If you, if, if you allow the hijackle to trigger you and then you lose it, you look like the crazy person. So you've got to walk in there with the tools to understand like, okay, just breathe. I can get through this and keep your own cool. So that's the best that you can do. But the other thing is understand 
there is no you go to one court one time and everything is resolved. In my experience, that doesn't happen ever. You're going to go to court again and again and again and again and again ad nauseum, right? So if you can only afford an attorney for a, you know a period of time, use the attorney to your best advantage. Try to you know talk to that attorney, educate yourself. If I could say anything to anybody, it's educate yourself because you're going to be in this for the long haul. And then if you lose an attorney, that's a, you, you go to court yourself. And is that optimal? No, of course not. But if that's the best you can do, you do it. You don't just give up and bury your head in the sand. You don't have that luxury. Great advice. So we're going to talk more with my guest, Karen Covey, right after this. If you want to learn more about her, go to her website, karencovey.com, K-A-R-E-N-C-O-V-Y.com. And this is great stuff. You can't get this advice anywhere else. And we'll be right back. No matter what's happening right now, life can get better. If you have a good relationship, it can become great. If your relationship is in trouble, we can find a solution. The good news is that it's in your hands to start. The not-so-good news is that it takes time, new insights and skills, and a whole bunch of willingness. But who would settle for less? Not you, right? Good. You want to feel seen, heard, known, accepted, and appreciated. You want honesty, safety, trust, respect, and reliability, too. Read my book, Kaizen for Couples, available for download at couplesbook.com. Start there, and let's talk soon. Hello and welcome. I'm so glad you're here. This is episode 20 of the Relationship Help Show, Handling Hijackal Havoc. And today we're going to talk about the workplace because these difficult people show up repeatedly at work. Have you noticed that? It doesn't matter whether you go to an office and someone else owns the company or you're an entrepreneur and you have to deal with them. You're going to meet people who just don't seem to know how to get along in life without trying to have power over everybody and trying to be right in every situation. They like to dominate. They like to take control. They like to have power and they want you to give it to them. And these people make your life so miserable. So, so frequently we talk about these difficult people in your home relationships and these hijackals that I talk about, you know, hijackals are those relentlessly difficult, toxic people in life who hijack relationships for their own purposes, for their own gain, and then they scavenge them for power, status, and control over and over and over. So many times we'll have hijackals in our life. They may be our mother, our father, our grandfather, some person who was very difficult in our childhood. They may be a friend. They may be your partner. By now, they may be your ex, um, or they may be somebody at work. So I wanted to do this program today to talk about what's happening if it's happening to you at work. It's not like you have ultimate control over what to do with them. So I wanted to give you some really great insights. 
And um, so I'm going to talk about how to deal with difficult people in the workplace. And then I'm going to give you some real insights. And you're going to have to really listen up in that last segment today about what to do with a bully at work, because that's just a jam-packed thing. I kind of got on a roll when I was doing it. And um, there's a lot. So you may have to listen to that segment a couple of times. And then we're going to have my guest, Judy Hoberman. Now, this is exciting because Judy wrote a book called Selling in a Skirt, and she's written other books. So she's a person who has been in the selling industry for a long time. And of course, she's dealt with difficult people. Of course, she's met people that, whether they were clients or vendors or people in workplaces that she has had to deal with, or even nasty people when she's speaking. Um, and of course, she's had life experiences too. So she's going to talk about the negative and incorrect first impressions that we make and the labels that we give people. And the misperceptions that we have. And uh, Judy and I are going to talk about what happens when you have the first impression of a hijackle and then you live with a hijackle at work or at home, of course. And uh, you learn about what's really going on with that person. And then we're going to offer with some ways to distance yourself from a difficult person at work and how to still move forward to greater success and fulfillment. So there's a lot in today's show for you. We're all going to run into these people. Every one of us knows one or has one in our lives. And it's important for us to have skills, but more important is to have the mindset that you can do something about it, that you are not stuck. You don't have to put up with it, that you have skills and strategies and insights. And that's what I want to give you. So every week I am endeavoring to give you the insights that you need, the skills, the strategies, the tactics, the, the way to approach these things so that you feel feel more powerful and strong and assertive, and you can go out in the world and feel confident that you can do something about it. So today's program is how to do that in the workplace, whether you work for someone else or you're an entrepreneur. So listen up and enjoy every moment of today's show. There you have it. If you want more, you can work with Dr. Shayla directly. She's eager to help you resolve your relationship issues. Have a question? Call in early to next week's show to talk with Dr. Shaler on air. Get her expert insights and advice by subscribing to her blog, newsletter, and YouTube channel. We're here for you. Don't be a stranger. Join us again next week. And in the meantime, visit forrelationshiphelp.com.